You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message by Pastor Andy Squires. Everybody doing okay? Doing well? Yeah, thank you, Stuart. You're always there for me, Stuart. Praise the Lord. You always have to have at least one person who's got your back. You don't have to have a whole lot of people. If you have one Stuart Clark in your life, you'll be okay. You know? Right, Courtney? She's not in here. Yeah. <laughs> right, Blake? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, <clears throat> um, continue praying for Robin. He's doing so well in his recovery. The doctors have said he's... Uh, he's in the 90th percentile of recovery. So only, yeah, it's really incredible. I mean, he's doing so well. He actually was planning on being here today, but I think his physical therapist has been really, um, working him hard this week. So he decided to, um, not come in today, but I bet you will see him next week. So something to look forward to. And, um, so, so he's, he's out with his knee still. And I, I came down with this terrible cold this week. And so I, I feel like this message is probably going to be really good, you know? So <laughs> when you lose your voice and, and, and then on, um, I wrote, I finished writing my sermon on Thursday because my day's off for Friday and Saturday, but Saturday evening I went to go put on the final touches to my message and, um, my computer went away. It, it, I opened it up and I couldn't charge it anymore. I couldn't turn it on. So my message went away. So yeah, so we'll see what happens this morning. Something good. No, don't fear. I, I had it mostly in my head. So I actually, I wrote it down on note paper. I, was, I actually used a pen and put it on paper this morning. So we're going old school. Yeah, I love it too. All right, so I'm, I'm going to talk to you this morning about the death of hope. All right. Um, I'm going to talk about how people have hope in their life and then it goes away. What are you left with when you have hope at one point and you don't have hope anymore? You have hopelessness. I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit and. Um, we've been in the book of Mark and, and Scotty Volk, uh, last week had the great chapter on the resurrection and, um, you know, Jesus dies this horrible death and then he comes back and he starts showing himself to people. And, uh, the, the story is something like he starts revealing himself, but people are having a really difficult time believing it. Okay. So next week, we're going to begin talking about the book of Acts. We're going to start talking about the story of Acts. So we've finished the gospel and we're heading into the book of Acts. And I started thinking about the distance between the end of the gospel into the church age. And I started thinking about the road to Emmaus. How many of you have ever heard the story before? There's these two guys One's named is Cleopas. Aren't you glad your name is not Cleopas? And then the other guy doesn't even get a name. But it's pretty significant, the story. Because this is the first time that either of these guys have been named in the scriptures. But for some reason, the writer of Luke, who was Luke, decided to put this story in about these two guys. I think it's cool because they were unimportant people. Jesus is showing up, revealing himself to these seemingly insignificant gentlemen who are walking along this road after this horrific moment in the city of Jerusalem. So we have the road to Emmaus. 
And the road to Emmaus is a road by which I can see my own life. I really love this passage because I see not just my life, but I kind of see the life of each one of us here. I see the life of us as individuals and in the life of the story of the church. So, so really the road to Emmaus, it really begins in a spectacular defeat, but it ends with burning hearts. If you know that scripture, we're going to get there, but it starts in a spectacular defeat, but it ends with burning hearts. So let's do this. If you have your Bible, we're going to, we're going to read a good bit of Bible this morning. I have my old school King James, New King James version of the Bible. If you have a hard copy of the Bible, I recommend you reading it. I've had this for 25 years. It is tore up. It is highlighted. It is extra anointed. It even says spirit filled life Bible on the side. So I know it's extra good because it's got Jack Hayford's commentary associated with it. But I'm going to begin in chapter 24 of Luke. Now, what's interesting in the book of Mark, this chapter, which takes about 12 or 13 verses, only takes two verses in the book of Mark. But I like it here better. So we're going to read it from Luke, starting at verse 13. Now, behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together all of these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping That it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. And they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him... They did not see. And then Jesus said to them. O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. In all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all scriptures, the things concerning himself. And then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them, that Jesus took bread, he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for the praise. We thank you for the song that you've given to us. We thank you for the song you've become to us. We thank you for the good things in our lives, like our jobs and our families and our homes. God, we thank you for the trials too. We thank you for the things that we're walking through right now that are hard. We thank you for the difficulties that we're facing. 
We thank you for every aspect of our life, God. We thank you for the breath in our lungs that you have given to us. And right now, Father, we ask that you would come and that you would be with us and that you would cause our hearts to burn this morning. And all God's people said, amen. All right. So I'm just going to go through this passage with you guys because it's honestly, it's packed. It's packed with stuff. So the first thing I'd like us to look at is this, this scripture. It says that their eyes were restrained and that they did not know him. So it's interesting. They're walking along and Jesus appears. He's, you know, he's kind of like wandering around the vicinity of Jerusalem, I guess, at this point, just hoping to bump into somebody. And he bumps into these two guys and he, and he joins them. And he says, why are you talking so sadly, and they say, well, why, why ha- haven't you heard about all the events that have happened? And it's interesting how Jesus acts coy sometimes. And he says, what things? And so they answer him. But at first they did not recognize him. They had been following him probably around for a number of years, if not months and they did not recognize this person that they had walked so closely with. And I, I have a theory, and you can't prove it from scripture, but my thought is this. Their, their eyes were restrained in some way, either, either divinely or my, my real gut is, is that they had a sadness about them. They had something on them which was close to sorrow and despair. I mean, Jesus recognized it right away when he comes across them. He points it out to them. He says, why are you so sad? What are you talking about that's making you so sad? And I I think the scripture is bringing this out to us because the fact is this. These guys had tremendous hopes when they were walking with Jesus. When they were following Jesus, they saw him, the scriptures say, speak mighty words and do mighty deeds. In their mind, here's this guy who shows up announcing that he's the savior of the world. He's the son of God. He equates himself to being God. And he's saying to everybody that he hears or who hears him, I I am God. I am the Messiah. I am here to set you free. And in their mind, these were a people who were under oppression by the Roman Empire. And so to them, what he was saying was, the kingdom of God is near, your redemption is drawing nigh. And their expectation of what that meant was that the Romans would be out of power and they would be put into power. You know that story. So they had crushed expectations. They had expectations that had not been met by this person who called himself God. They had hopes and then they were without hope. They had a hope in this man, Jesus. And then all they witnessed was that he was hung on a cross in great shame and humiliation. So for good reason, they're walking along this road in great sadness. It wasn't like they didn't witness something horrific. They were a part of it. They saw all of their hopes dashed in great humiliation. So we have to admit to ourselves that we are possibly blinded by our own sadness in this same way. We have these things in our lives. We have these hopes that we carry And we have these hopes that have yet to be fulfilled. Or we've had these hopes that have been crushed on on one season or another. And it's hard. It's hard to recognize it. But a blindness comes over our eyes. Sadness can keep us from seeing the Lord. When he shows up and begins walking and talking with you. 
And they say this to him. We were hoping that it was he that was going to redeem Israel. They expected him to usher in the golden age of the kingdom of Israel. This would have meant their freedom from the oppressor. It would have meant peace and prosperity in the land. It would have meant reinstating their right relationship with God. It would have meant erasing centuries of departed glory. It would have meant reestablishing their glory of being God's chosen people. Jesus was not the savior they were expecting. So I've had my own expectations of God. I have had him act differently to me than I thought he should have acted. Has God ever shown up to you and acted differently toward you than he you thought he should have acted towards you? Have you had a hope or a dream or a promise and God shows up and it looks way different than what you expected? I have had him show up differently than I expected. And this is really hard on your relationship with God. It's really hard on your relationship with Jesus. And that one day he shows up healing with power. And then another day he shows up dying on a cross. Man, when Jesus was healing people, he could not keep the throngs away, could he? That's how I am, man. When Jesus is healing people around me, I'm like, man, I am in with this. Jesus is so easy to follow when I see signs and wonders. But when he shows up in a way that seems like he's hanging on a cross again, I start to question everything about who he is. I start to question everything about who he is and what he means to me. I start to assess whether following him is even worth it. It was so worth it for me, God, when you were moving in power, when you were healing the sick, when you were opening blinded eyes, when you were causing my hopes and my dreams to be fulfilled. It was so easy to follow you then, Jesus. But when you come hanging on a cross, I've got to rethink this whole thing because, man, this is hard to endure. This is not how I expected you to come to me. In fact, Jesus, this is downright offensive to me. When God comes to us in ways that we don't expect. You know, sometimes we pray this prayer for years and it never gets answered. That's not God not answering us. That's just him being silent for a while. And silence is very offensive, isn't it? The silence of God is very offensive to us. We begin to count ourselves as being neglected by God. We begin to assess and judge who God really is to us. And we say things like, yeah, he's not really there for me. He's not with me in this time. And we grow hard in our hearts because we're offended. We're put out by him. And in that hardness, blinders start forming over our eyes. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? So imagine that. Imagine the expectations crushed of these people. When the one who claimed to be the son of God does the only thing that would assure that those oppressors who were in power would stay in power. He dies by crucifixion. He shows up in a way that they didn't expect and they were offended. Jesus dying was such a such a shame, such a humiliation to those who believed him at his word. These people staked it all on Jesus and they lost. And I honestly, personally, I know that feeling too. Maybe you do too. 
At one point in your life, you were so hungry and you were so thirsty for God that you followed him no matter what. And then something happens or maybe nothing happens. The exact opposite thing that you hoped and expected happens and then you are crushed. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? This is not a unique story. This is kind of a common story. But if you don't know that this is the trajectory of every human life, you can, you can judge God wrongly. And you can be walking down the road and you can be blind and you can be so overcome by your own sadness, your own sorrow, your own offense that when Jesus shows up on the road with you, that you don't recognize his presence with you. So when we come into a season of sadness, we in a way come into a season of blindness. We lose the ability to see hope. We lose the ability to feel hopeful. And all we can see is what we lost. I'll tell you, one of the most annoying things is when you feel hopelessness or when you feel hopeless and somebody comes to you and says, gee whiz, brother, just have hope. You know, you can't make yourself hopeful. The reason why you don't have hope is because you have entered into a reality. If you've experienced some form of sorrow or sadness or despair, which these two guys had, they weren't believing a lie. They were believing the truth. They had seen with their own eyes, their friend mutilated and scourged and hung in great humiliation. Right? You have things that you have walked through in your life that have been very real. So for the preacher to come to you and say, oh, don't worry about that thing. It's not real. All you need is to have hope. In what? That's the big question, isn't it? Man, have you ever been in that place where all you can see in front of your eyes is the thing? The only thing that you can see is the thing that you lost. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, or, or that thing that you almost attained and it just like evaporated before you could grab it. Man, maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning, but I needed to hear this anyways. But the thing is this, when we are in despair, we do have a prayer. And this is, this is all it is. Lord, I can't see you. Help me to see. Lord, I can't see you. I can't get myself out of hopelessness. I can't get myself off of this Emmaus road. I'm walking on this Emmaus road. I'm talking through the problem, the issue with my friend, but my friend, he's in the same boat. He can't help me. Lord, we can't even help each other. I mean, we're just swapping the same sob story back and forth to each other. And yeah, like there's some solidarity there, but that's all we got, man. We got solidarity in our misery. But the prayer is, Lord, don't leave us there. And the thing about this story is these guys are just stumbling into it. They don't even know to pray the prayer. The only reason why we know to pray the prayer is because we've got the story. But God's grace is so good that he's just showing up on this road with these two guys that are just totally sad and hopeless. And he calls them out. See, because the thing is, we can't really heal ourselves, can we? We cannot heal ourselves. But we can be honest with ourselves that our discouragement and our frustration and our blindness 
exists because we are disappointed by unmet expectations. See, some of y'all are put out with God and you've gone over into the, the land of unbelief and you've gotten um, offended by certain things, but you haven't been honest with yourself about your disappointment with God. So you've just kept him at a distance. It's like your relationship with him is, is, is good as long as it's distant. But as soon as there's closeness or intimacy, things start getting real uncomfortable for you because the truth is you're offended by him. The thing about God is he's okay with your offense more than you are okay with your offense. He can handle how you're not good with him better than you can handle how you're not good with him. So you can't heal yourself of this, but you can at least be honest about where you are in your heart with the Lord himself. We have to be careful of making our sadness the main reality of our our life. We have to be careful of making despair the main reality of our life. Because as hard as the thing that you've been through is, it's not greater than this other thing. And I love this. Jesus shows up. (laughs) They tell him the story of these events that have happened. And the first words out of Jesus' mouth are, Oh, foolish ones. It's like he's not taken the class or read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You know, he's like straight out the gate confronting them. He doesn't even pat them on the back. He doesn't give them a hug. He doesn't say, oh, you poor, miserable souls. He doesn't let them wallow in their anguish for one bit. He confronts their sadness head on and he says, Oh, foolish ones, why are your hearts so slow to believe? What's the exact scripture? What does he say? Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. These were people that had heard the scripture their whole lives. And probably Jesus explained a lot of this stuff before he died too. But Jesus is challenging their slowness right away. He's he's challenging their heart that is slow to believe. And then he goes on. How how good is the Lord? He goes on to explain the full meaning of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning himself. You know what's really interesting is when you read in the New Testament, anywhere they're saying the word, the scriptures, they're referring to the Old Testament. You know, some people want to throw out the Old Testament But these guys had a revival in their life with the Lord because Jesus explains the Old Testament to them. Can can you imagine that? Can you imagine not having the New Testament and discovering the full story about who God is and what Jesus is or what Jesus was going to do from the Old Testament? The only scripture that these two guys knew was the Moses, the law and the prophets. And Jesus goes backwards and he expounds for their sake the entire story of what he was about to do for all humanity. They were right to get their hopes up. They just had their hope in the wrong thing. They were right to get their hopes up. They were just interpreting the story in the Old Testament the wrong way. They were reading the Old Testament and they were seeing the redemption of Israel happening. Jesus was reading the Old Testament back to them, redeeming the whole world. They saw a redemption 
of exclusion for their people only. And Jesus is saying, no, no, here's how this is working, man. This is working this way. We're going to get as many of the nations as we can. We're going to get as many of the people we can. We can get, you know, we're going to go to all the nations to preach this gospel of forgiveness. And so they, So there is meaning for us to be found in the scriptures. There is hope and there is courage and there is understanding for our misunderstanding. Amen. So Jesus indicates that he's going on down the road, but they constrain him to abide with them. And so he goes in to stay with them. And everything changes for them at the table. This table is a place of feeding and of thankfulness. And Jesus, he grabs the bread. And he starts breaking it and he starts, he starts thank, thanking God for the bread and he starts giving it to them. And the scripture says, as he handed them the broken bread, their eyes were opened and they knew him. So here's the thing. It's hard for us to know him. If we can't see him. It's hard for us to know him. If we can't see him. They recover their sight. At the broken bread. They recognize Jesus. As he's breaking the bread of communion. They recover their sight. As he's offering thanks for this. This bread and then feeding them with it. They recover their sight because the scripture had been rightly explained to them. They recover their sight because the reality of their sadness diminished in the light of the glory of the reality of this kingdom that was being dispensed to them at that table. And their eyes were open and they could see him again. And I'm just glad that this scripture here isn't uh, a nice story in, in the past, but it's really an invitation for us to have our eyes opened again, isn't it? I'm personally in a season, my wife and I are in a season where one of the things that we're talking about a lot right now is hunger. We're talking a lot about thirst with each other. Because there was a season in our lives when we would leave anything behind to follow after Jesus because the hunger and the thirst was so great in our hearts. Our hearts were always burning to follow after Jesus with our lives in practical ways. But somewhere along the line, life happens and the sadness comes and the defeats come And the expectations unmet come and the hopelessness starts to land on you. It starts. I mean, have you ever said to yourself, I'm not the person I was 10 years ago. Have you ever, have you ever said that? And it's like you start developing the scar tissue on on your life, the scar tissue on your heart. And it's like you can't escape it. And you get so smart for your own good. You, you, you become so intelligent. That you can no longer see through your own intelligence to the presence of the Lord. And my wife and I, we were, we were just talking two days ago, just sitting on the side of our bed. We were like, we were at this point of desperation. We, we were talking like, I'm at the point now where I'll even believe God again. Like we were talking crazy talk like that. Like, um, Lord, I'm, I'm at the point now in my life where it's either I'm going to actually believe all that you say and all that you're going to do. And I'm going to get on that train no matter what comes or I'm just walking away from this thing altogether. And even just, even, even us just 
saying to each other, hey, do you remember when we used to be hungry for the Lord? It started like stirring up things in our hearts where we were like, oh my gosh, did you just feel that? Like, I don't know, like even remembering the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life moving at one point is better than just like watching Netflix again. It's like the Lord's not even moving in my life, but just the memory of the Lord moving in my life is better than watching more Netflix. Even the memory of of being a part of the move of the Lord is better than, I don't know, going to church every Sunday and not having anything happen ever. Like I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm so desperate for something to happen. I don't even care if anybody thinks I'm cool or not. I'm getting to the point in my life where I'm, I am almost to the point where I may just publicly look foolish for Jesus because the weight of the world on my shoulders and following the way of the world is just killing me. And I can remember the light and easy burden of following after Jesus where I didn't give any thought to what anybody else said about the way I looked like or the way I acted or the way I seemed. My heart was burning because my relationship with Jesus was close and I was unoffended with him. And the hope in my heart was so great that the outward circumstances of my, in my life had less of a bearing on the decisions that I was making. Do any of you resonate with what I'm talking about this morning? It's like the Lord wants to take us from these, I don't know, like this decade of like, I don't know, wandering around in the wilderness, wondering about the good old days when God used to do things. And he wants to bring us into that reality again here and now. But in order for us to do that, I have to have the blinders taken off my eyes. I remember Robin saying this. He said this a while back, but I wrote it down. I've never forgot it. He's like, you can't magnify your situation to be bigger than the love of God in your life. And I, I feel like that's what I've done in my life. I feel, I feel like I have made a, a ministry out of all the tragedies in my life. I feel like I have magnified all of the dark seasons of my life and God's calling me out of that, that thing over into like a better revelation. It's not, it's not that, it's not that hard times aren't real, right? It's not that, that we're not going to face defeat at times. It's not that we're not going to face death at times. It's not that we're going to not face really difficult circumstances but we are becoming a people that are acknowledging the thing that's inside of us more than we are acknowledging the things on the outside of us. That's who God is shaping us into. That is who we are becoming. We are becoming a people where the hope inside of our hearts cannot be snuffed out by the outward circumstances. One of the strangest passages of scriptures, to me anyways, is found in the book of Acts. And I know I've talked to you about this before, but there's this miraculous thing that happens. Peter is imprisoned. Herod takes James and Peter and he throws them in jail because he's he's really excited about um, making the the Jews happy, the Jewish leaders happy by persecuting the church. And there's this incredible chapter long story about how Peter is thrown into jail and how the church is praying and how an angel comes and lets Peter out of jail. And do you know how relieved they were, how relieved Peter's wife must have been, how relieved Peter's family must have been, how much joy and courage that story must have created for the church? 
But the thing is, two verses right in front of that story is James was imprisoned and Herod executed him by the sword. These are two apostles doing the exact same thing, following Jesus with with different results. And I'm so thankful that the scripture is so honest about that stuff because our following Jesus is not about getting results out of him. Our following hard after the Lord has nothing to do whether we're released from prison or executed by the sword. And I know those are extreme examples, but we have things in our life that feel like prisons, that feel like being released from prison or being executed by the sword. And I feel like this, that one of the most powerful witnesses that is going to happen out of the church is that we become a people who are witnesses of his goodness and power in the face of everything. We make room for everything to happen in our lives. Does God answer prayer? Absolutely. Should you pray every day? Should you ask God for help in your life? Absolutely. But there will be these things that happen in your life where the answer comes very slowly and you have, you'll ask yourself, why? Why is this happening? And here's why. Because Jesus is forming us into his image. And there are things that cannot be worked out any other way except to go through this thing called life where we are trusting him. We are learning how to trust in him and everything that we go through in this life. And your life is not about pursuing more pleasure, more comfort, more avoid trouble type of a thing. Your life is about pursuing Jesus and him only. That is the only thing that will give you satisfaction on any level. Man, do you know what I'm talking about this morning? I'm sorry. I'm all over the map here this morning. I feel like this head cold has gone to my head and I'm a little bit, but I'm just, I'm trying to share my heart with you this morning. I feel the spirit drawing us again, church. I, I'm, I'm talking about this room right here. I'm talking about us as a local body. The Lord is building us into something beautiful and something special. And that challenge, that sadness that you have faced in your life, when that thing becomes diminished in the light of Christ and you begin to lay hold of the beauty of Jesus in, and that relationship in your life, you will not believe the witness that will be in the world as you go about your life. And you begin just, I don't know, the apostle, the apostle Paul talks about the aroma of Christ. We, we exude the aroma of Christ everywhere we go. So what we're going to do is we are going to move into taking communion this morning. And so if, if I can get the servers to come on up. And Matt, you want to come up and play some music? Um, I love, I love this. That the scripture in Luke 24 says that when the bread was broken, their eyes were opened. And I want us, I want us to, as just a point of faith this morning, I want us to believe this morning that God is going to remove blinders off of our eyes this morning during communion. And that if you've had sadness in your life, if you've had, if you've had disappointment clinging to you in a way that has taken you backwards, I believe this morning that that is going to get broken off of you. And I believe that your heart's going to be restored in a way that you come into a, a fresh and new intimacy with Jesus this morning. If you want that, I mean, I'm, this is not a forced thing. I just, if you want this, if you're hungry for what we're talking about this morning, I just believe that it's available to us this morning. Amen. So why don't we do this first? Let's just, let's just stand up together. Um, I'm going to hand the mic to Tanner and he's going to lead us in a prayer but um, 
And then after he prays, we've got, we've got four sections, four stations. Um, we've got bread and wine, bread and wine, bread and wine, and then gluten-free bread and pomegranate juice at the end. So if you need that option, we have it available for you. But let me pray first, Tanner, and then I'm going to give it to you. You can do whatever you want. Jesus, we acknowledge to you right now that we can't heal ourselves. And we thank you for your grace that is sufficient to lead us into your goodness. And I pray for every sorrowful heart I pray for every offended person. I pray for every person that's been put out with you for some reason, Jesus. That you would meet them on their road right now. That you would meet them on their road. And that you would reveal yourself as only you can, Jesus. Amen. I recently uh, celebrated a birthday and it just got me like thinking about my life with the Lord and reflecting and I was thinking about all of the times when I had zeal just like what Andy was saying I had zeal and passion and excitement to uh, share the Lord just like uh, burning in my heart it's like fired me up so excited to wake up and I was also thinking about over the course of my life the times where I've dipped down in unbelief and shame and just total denial and I was thinking last week around my birthday I heard the phrase lo I'm with you always Sorry. Just as a part of the Great Commission where he says, Go, baptize, make apostles, share my commandments, and lo, with you always. So it's times when we're excited to go and to make apostles. It's times when we're excited to go and to baptize. And it's time when, when we're excited to go and declare the commandments and the love of the Lord. And it's the times when we don't believe anything. And he says, lo, I'm with you always. And that's the exact same thing that these men on Emmaus were experiencing. It's like, hey, I'm still here with you. Still here with you. And with Andy talking about hunger, I've been talking with my friends and I'm, I'm just like, man, I want that hunger again. I want that hunger again. I want that hunger again. So if you're hungry this morning, if you're thirsty, come take some bread. Come take some wine. Let's be hungry and thirsty together. Together. Thank you, Jesus, for your body. Thank you for your blood. Thank you that you're with us always, Jesus. We bless you. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much. Come on up. You can come forward.
So as a benediction, I want to read you this from John 20. This was one of the last times that Jesus revealed himself to his followers. And he said this, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So as you go this week, even now, receive the Holy Spirit that Jesus has breathed upon you today. And go into the world and forgive the sins of many. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.